Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me today is the Shark, Taylor Dammel, out tonight. He is actually showing a house to uh, an actor of some relevance. I'll give him that. Two of our favorite shows. I'll give you a little hint. He's part of Ghost Nation. All right. Now, this is also a show that I'm referencing, Ghost Nation, that has just gone completely downhill and since been canceled. I think you can put those together if you're a fan or if you just do a quick Google search. I don't want to dox the guy's name, uh, but that's where Taylor is doing his a- actual job, uh, wishing him the best of luck. Hopefully he closes. But I do have the shark, which is terrific news. He's down in Florida. We'll check in with him shortly uh, as he is going to battle the ed- elements to to bring you an episode. We are brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your college hooper of the week, it's Jacques Vaughn. Yes, prior to him accepting the head coaching role with the Brooklyn Nets, prior to his NBA career, he was a standout at Blue Blood, Kansas. So hat tip to Jacques. Congrats to him for taking on that role uh, as the head coach. I know he's been waiting in the wings for a while now. But yeah, prior to all that, great Kansas Jayhawk, Jacques Vaughn. We're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at RoyalDigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at RoyalDigital.co. Make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And you can always follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. Season starting. You're going to want to follow. Actually, a good loyal listener of ours tweeted that the only reason he was able to see the Coppin State Georgetown finish that buzzer beater at the end of regulation for Coppin State is because he was following us and he saw the theater in DC Coppin State Georgetown on FS1 go ahead and follow us at CBB theater you should also follow me at Subi 232 to find out where the feet is make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB let's open the curtains Long intro there, Shark. Good to have you back. You're down in Florida. We doing all right? That's that's a line you usually say. We doing all right? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm here. I'm facing a hurricane. First hurricane uh, coming in tonight. Still showing up for the show. Uh, 
all, all those times that you and Taylor really like to poke me and prod me, where's the shark? Where's the shark? Well, the shark's, he's looking at a hurricane and doing this show with you after a, I'll just say a very underwhelming opening week of college basketball. I know the games may be close, but can you, can you give me one marquee matchup? Can I get excited about something that isn't, you know, San Jose state versus Georgia Southern at 10 on a Tuesday. I mean, give me some, especially when the NBA is not playing. I mean, I, it kind of is a flop to me coming out into the season. So, but here I am, you know, I could in the middle of this episode, I could be blown away by hurricane Nicole. Um, but I, my last words should be regarding the fact that the college basketball season did not open up the way that I was hoping. it would. Well, if you go out, you're going to go out with, like you said, your last words being about college basketball was an underwhelming start to the season in terms of marquee matchups. I agree with that. Whatever happened to just open it up with like Duke and Kansas and MSG. I know. Let's get them on an aircraft carrier. Let's send them out to the Gulf of Yemen or something. Let, let, let you know, let's have people slip it on the floor. Just give me something that isn't Providence versus Ryder or um, Boston College Cornell. You know, I, I, I would take really – or URI playing uh, Quinnipiac. That was actually a pretty tight one. URI is terrible, by the way. But um, that's neither here nor there. But I, I just thought that they would come out with more of a punch. They did not. I know that they moved some of the preseason tournaments around. Um, we got to react to that, just like I'm going to react to this hurricane if it comes over me. But, hey. What they lacked in quality, they certainly made up for in quantity. Now, this past Monday night, I was in Dayton, took in a Flyers game, and they destroyed Lindenwood. Um, and, and we'll get to that here. In, good in seats, just, too. I saw your seats. You had some good setup there. Shout out to the Middle Doyle. How do you describe him? Is well, he the, the most fa- fascinating? He, he does fascinate me. I, if you would have told me, hey, Subi, I'm going to give you some terrific seats for a Dayton Flyer game, I would have thought that that would be the big Doyle, you know, the, the head Doyle, lead Doyle, number one Doyle. Um, but for it to come from the middle Doyle, <laughs> shocking. I mean, granted, I've only met these Doyles one time in my life at your wedding earlier this year at the Camelback Resort in Scottsdale. But, um, you know, I, 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 I tried to build out my files on the Doyles, and I would not have expected those great seats that you had there. Seats were certainly magnificent. The arena, I've been there before, the flight deck, it was a lot of fun. But what put it over the top for me in terms of viewing experience, nothing better, Shark. This is like the the, the fans viewing equivalent of getting on a plane and, and no one's sitting next to you. Nobody on either side of me and my brother-in-law, Patrick. So we had our two seats. We're obviously sitting next to each other. And then a chair in between the next spectator. Well. I mean, that's kind of troubling. I didn't think you were going to say that. Dayton has high expectations going into the season. It's opening night. You're in, you're in a great row. You got a great angle of the game, and they're not filling that place out. I thought they cared about basketball up in Dayton. Well, I tweeted out that I was going to be there, and the Dayton guy, Sully, he even said, look, I'm not driving three hours to get to, to, to see us play Lindenwood. It may have been a sellout, but it wasn't a full house. Let me repeat. So that you guys can let that marinate. It may have been a sellout, but it was not a full house. That's the old Washington Redskins football team commanders move right there. Saying, oh, it's sold out. It's sold out. And then you show up and you look at it. It's not. Yeah. Well, that was a a lot of fun. I want to get into a particular player during that game here in a second. But opened it up with Taylor uh, 
showing an actor. Obviously, that's the theater angle. Shark, it, it just dawned on me this past week because we love good theater. And like I said, be patient, listener. We're going to get to college basketball. But television has really been representing our culture as well, our heritage well. All right, let's start with the Italian TV. You and I are big on White Lotus. They're currently in Sicily. I talked about this to, to never let your wives make you watch this, but from scratch on Netflix gutted me gutted me i mean a spear just went right through my heart but that was also filmed i believe in sicily certainly italy uh zoe saldana does a a brilliant job in that and i always confuse her here's how you tie it back to uh that show i was alluding to in the intro she always uh i always confuse her with thandy newton but from scratch white lotus holding it up for the italians now on the indian side we got family karma returning bravo talked about indian weddings Vishal got married. That was the uh, opener. And then for the children, for the young ones, if, if there's any listeners out there uh, that have toddlers, hop on Netflix, Deepa and Anoop. It's a kid's show. If you want to pass the time, if you're looking to, to occupy their minds when you're changing a diaper, Deepa and Anoop. You don't have to be Indian to enjoy it. You can be whatever you want. Uh, it did irk me a little bit that their family owns a hotel. A little bit too typecast for me. Why not their dad be a college basketball podcaster or something? I don't know. Maybe not as relevant. But uh, I, I'd like to say that these programs are putting on for our heritage, Shark. Not really sure where I can pick up off of that last recommendation. I don't do – is that – kid show, is that animated? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's about this little, little girl and her uh, best friend who's an elephant. Uh, I, I don't do animated. I, I can't tell you the last animated thing I've seen. Toy Story probably is, is the one that is the biggest animated film or show. Or eh, and I, I'll pull back on show. I like Family Guy, but I don't do animated movies. Never have, never will. Actually, well, I will if I have a kid, but not without a kid. Yeah. Well, I was with my uh, two nephews, and that's exactly what we were watching. So, like I said, just throwing out some recommendations. If you're an adult, White Lotus. If you enjoy uh, absolute depression, sadness, watch From Scratch. Uh, Family Karma, if you want to get an inside look into opulent Indians from your state, Florida, I wonder how they're doing uh, down there right now. Watch Family Karma. And if you got kids, Deepa and Anoop. Let's can I give, hold on. Can yeah. I give two? Can I give two? Please? I mean, you're over there just watching a marathon. Cobra Kai. I mean, I, I know I got some Cobra Kai guys out there. Karate Kid, I think I'm in season five. I haven't finished the season yet. I love it. I mean, Johnny Lawrence, that is that is my guy. Uh, I'm watching that, and I'm watching Boston Legal. I'm going back to a mid-2000s drama. William Shatner, Julie Bowen. Um, that's really all I can pull off the top of my head. Uh, uh, James Spader, he's the freaking star. Alan Short, Denny Crane. Denny Crane, that show is so good. If you ever have a chance to watch that, Boston Legal would never be able to air on network television nowadays, but watching it is phenomenal. Um, but that, that's been my wheelhouse right now. That would be a great trivia question. Name a third movie or TV show that Julie Bowen has been in because everyone's going to be able to give you Happy Gilmore and Modern Family. I had no idea she was in Boston Legal. You know who else is just it, literally in the last episode I watched, and this is like I'm facing a hurricane. I watched an episode. They go to New Orleans. It's right after Katrina. The lawyer that they work with, Nia Long, Celtics, Nia Long. Everything's coming together. You know, up is down, up down is up. You know, I, I can't. Really figured out that was the theme that they used in their closing argument right there. So if we have some serious Boston legal fans that want to keep up with what I'm talking about right now, I would refer you to that one. This should the, – the the schedule makers in 
college basketball should listen to this intro because this has been the most gripping part of my week thus far. We've had we had really close games. We had awesome buzzer beaters, which again we're going to get to, but we're talking TV recommendations. But I think that's good. This is the theater well, aspect. I would push back on the great again. Some of them, it's been sloppy basketball. It, it, I'm not really sure any of these games will have March implications at this stage. There has not been one competing bubble team or competing NCAA tournament team play yet. Let's talk about Dayton, though, because they're ranked in the top 25. Shark, I texted this, and it's so important at this juncture or close to this juncture to lay claim to, quote-unquote, your boys, right? Because by the end of the year when the entire country gets wind of them, you're going to be able to say, no, 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 I knew about this guy in November and December. Mongolian Mike for the Dayton Flyers. I'm this guy goes by Mongolian Mike. I can say that, but I will give him uh, the satisfaction. I have to say his full name. It's Mike Shravyams. I believe that's how I pronounce his last name. I'm doing my best. He deserves it. He's this freshman who's starting for the Flyers. Long can rebound. Saw the floor incredibly well. Shot pretty well from from three point range. Can facilitate. Run the floor. I love Mongolian Mike. And here's an added layer to this kid's legend. And I'm laying claim to him as my boy. His dad, you would really appreciate this. His dad was nicknamed the Mongolian Shark. And he was on the Harlem Globetrotters. I'm telling you right now, watch out for Mongolian Mike. Did you catch any of the Dayton game by chance? Zero of that game. I, I was watching Tennessee and then I was watching Boston College after that. Mongolian. I, I don't blame you for hesitating on the pronunciation of that last name. I was trying to look up what he was recruited at as well. Um, can't really find that. I do see that he's from Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. I don't even know if I gave that the, the correct dialect or whatever it would be to pronounce that. But, hey, if, if you're identifying these these guys early on, I give you a ton of credit. As many people know, in 2006, I identified Big Baby Glenn Big Baby Davis before it was relevant. Um, and sure enough, they ended up going to the Final Four. So maybe you have that right now. I got really caught up and maybe it was because I was live watching Mongolian Mike, but he stepped into a three. And the first thing I said was, Oh man, that, that reminded me of Kevin Durant. I just flew off the wheels. I mean, what am I supposed to say to that? You know, what, what can I give you? You're seeing the Mongolian Kevin Durant, like Durant or Garnett. Well, he could absolutely be the Mongolian Kevin Durant. Right, because I, I can't imagine there's a ton of other talent coming out of that country. I mean, he's putting on for these guys, and I think the uh, the the what's the the ambassador to Mongolia in San Francisco was like, "Congrats, Dayton! You just earned a shitload of followers from Mongolia," and that's exactly been the case. But I want you to country listeners, you shark, watch out for Mongolian Mike. Well, you can actually, I, I didn't hear play. you. Though. Are you is he Mongolian Durant or Mongolian Garnett? I didn't hear the first Durant. Oh, Durant. Durant. Okay. Closer to Durant. How about that? Than, than <laughs> Kevin Garnett. So there's, uh, there's, there's a Mongolian Garnett out there somewhere. There could be. Yeah. And you know who's trailblazing? Mongolian Mike. Because his dad. The you Mongolian who, shark. There's actually, you are the you are the shark to his Mongolian shark. Well, you know who needs to go find this guy is, what, what is the name of the character that Adam Sandler plays in um, the movie that came out over the summer? Yeah. Uh, that guy would go find the Mongolian Garnett. That's right. 
Yeah. What was even the name of that movie? I forgot the name. I know. I, I know. Bo, I know. Bo Cruz's <laughs> Wacho is, but this is embarrassing. We should know that. Uh, yeah. Julie, ask Julie Bowen. She's close with Adam Sandler. Happy Gilmore. Exactly. All right. Uh, let's move on now to some more college hoops. Of course, disappointment. Shark. I tweeted out these these schools were poorly behaved children. All right. Very disappointing. You're not mad at these kids because there's a long way to go. We're not overreacting. But as a fan, you got to be disappointed in these teams. All right. And who I looked at, the ones that jumped off the page night one, USC Trojans losing to Florida Gulf Coast. Rivalry game, some might say. Revenge game almost. Andy Enfield's former former program. Uh, Oklahoma loses to Sam Houston State. Not sure necessarily what the projections on Oklahoma were, but a lot of people are excited about Porter Moser, and this is year two. Not the best start. Florida State loses to Stetson at home. That simply can't happen. TCU, I gassed these up, or these guys up earlier in the in the offseason. They almost took a loss to Arkansas Pine Bluff. That was a competitive game throughout at home. A lot of people might be saying that they're a sleeper to win the Big 12, maybe go to a Final Four. Terrible showing in the beginning. And then Georgetown. Anytime you, you 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 snap a 21-game losing streak, it's probably a good thing. Somehow not in Georgetown's case. They got taken to overtime by a Coppin State team that was on a second night of a back-to-back. So, Shark, I just laid out the gamut. Who are some of the more disappointing teams from that list? Well, let's take it from the top down. So you, you let off there with USC. Um, first year without a Mobley, right? And you got to adjust to not being – bailed out by having a Mobley in the center that can block a ton of shots, get you rebounds, get you easy putbacks. Um, they made the tournament last year, right? They, I think it was um, in a 10-7 playing Miami bottom right bracket. I, if, I think the mind's correct on that one. But they had a Mobley, right? They, they were turning everyone else. Boogie Ellis is back. They have Peterson, your boy, Nate Jacobs. All, all these guys are back. But you look at the box score in that one, and I, who knows what Florida Gulf Coast is going to be. Obviously, Enfield coached there beforehand, but you only shoot 19 threes, you make three of them. USC, from what I recall last year, and you can correct me on this if I'm wrong, but they, they were gunning three-pointers throughout most of the season. For you to only put up 19, and nowadays that may not seem like a lot, but that, that's kind of low for college teams in terms of three-point attempts. I would have expected more, especially when you're returning some senior experienced guards, whatever you want to call Peterson. But this team, you can't lose that opening game. You can't put yourself in that position. And it is very emblematic of um, being in a mobile list world. All right. So why the transition, folks? Well, we lost the shark. Storm's picking up. His internet continues to cut out. He tried playing hurt, but he couldn't do it. Had to sub him out. I think we've seen that with a lot of athletes these days. They try and gut through it. But sometimes it's 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 not meant to be. But the pod does roll on. All right. I'm going to channel my inner Colin Cowherd here. Try and riff solo. But uh, we do appreciate the Shark for trying to power through the the storm down there in Florida. Wishing him all the best. He actually just texted me his notes on Oklahoma, which is what we're about to get to. Probably won't read that. Uh, it said something about Tanner Groves, but 
Um, no shark the rest of the way, but I did want to continue talking about some of these disappointing teams. So we did cover USC losing to Florida Gulf Coast. Oklahoma, why is this so troubling to me? It's because we're in year two of the Porter Moser era. Okay. The shark actually has a year two guy for one of his favorite teams. That's Josh Heupel, who's doing yeoman's work. He is exceeding all expectations. Not one Tennessee fan in the world expected them to be ranked number one in the country. Expected them to compete for the SEC title. Which is no longer on the table, by the way, unless Georgia completely screws up. But did not expect for them to compete for a playoff spot. And it's because of all the damage that previous head coaches did, like Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Dooley, right? Butch Jones. And so in, in year one of, of any new regime, you just want to see some sort of growth improvement, maybe a plan, but you're not really expecting much. I thought Porter Moser did a pretty good job at Oklahoma in year one. And obviously he's, he's been to a final four. We know he can coach. We know, I mean, the reason we think of Loyola Chicago as a, a, a good, solid team is because of Porter Moser. And of course, his players like Cam Crutwig. But this was troubling, this loss, this Oklahoma loss, because now in year two, you expect some growth. Maybe not to the level of Josh Heupel, right? And being a top team in the country. I don't think anyone's expecting Oklahoma to be that. But you are certainly looking for improvement and a tournament berth and maybe a tournament win in year two, because this is not necessarily a high profile job like Tennessee. And I, I, there is another difference actually between this corollary of Tennessee football and Oklahoma basketball. And that is, I had mentioned the previous coaches that preceded uh, Josh Heupel. The previous coach at Oklahoma was amazing. Lon Kruger. He didn't leave Oklahoma as a mess. That might be another contributing factor to why this is troubling for Oklahoma and, and Porter Moser. Uh, they lose to Sam Houston State. And it was essentially on a defensive breakdown, which resulted from a missed layup, which looked like tire, tired legs. Uh, Oklahoma is at the rim. I think he, he short arms the layup, hits the front rim. Sam Houston State just beats him down the floor, hits a transition three that eventually wins the game. Again, I'm not overreacting. I feel like I have to continue to reiterate that. I'm not overreacting to any of these teams, these losses. It's game one. But if you're an Oklahoma fan, you certainly didn't expect this uh, outcome. And it may give you a little bit more pause on Porter Moser. I personally believe he's a terrific coach. He's going to get the Sooners going again, but not the best start to the season uh, for USC and Oklahoma. That said, Andy Enfield has done an amazing job at USC. They should not touch him. I don't think neither coach here is on the hot seat. That should be uh, stated. But Andy Enfield is proven at USC. He's turned them into a winner. Uh, Porter Moser at Oklahoma, he still needs to do some work. Next team that was disappointing, Florida State losing to Stetson. The Shark and I were talking about this prior to, to recording, and he had seen that Florida State was getting some buzz. I don't know if that's uh, nostalgia or if that's just people thinking, okay, I'm sure Florida State's going to trot out a monstrous team, a crazy athletic team 
Leonard Hamilton, who's a great coach. I don't know if people thought that. Maybe they did. But I never really bought into Florida State coming into this year. I think the ACC is damn good. You look at the teams like UNC, Duke, NC State's improved. Okay. Virginia. Syracuse still has Bayheim. Who knows if they can improve? But there's a lot of better there's a lot better teams. Miami with Nigel Pack coming over. There's a lot better teams and a lot better competition. I think a lot better play in the ACC. And I'm not sure why Florida State was getting all the love that they may have gotten. And this might be a, a result of me looking at my personalized timeline. I don't know. But Florida State losing to Stetson is completely unacceptable. Cannot have that happen. And I'm wondering if people are growing growing tired of Leonard Hamilton. He's done an amazing job there at Florida State. They're a football program. He's gotten them to the Elite Eight on the doorstep of a Final Four. So you don't run out Len Hamilton. But I'm wondering if Seminole Faithful is saying to themselves, damn, this was a troubling start to the year. We just lost to Stetson at home, a team we should have handled. And if there were expectations for the Seminoles, this puts a huge dent uh, and, and damper onto the beginning of the year. Funny enough, actually, the last two teams that I mentioned, Florida State and Oklahoma, they've had some rough, rough sports uh, the last few months. Oklahoma, certainly, we know their troubles on the football field. Uh, Florida State with Mike Norvell as well. Thoughts and prayers to those two athletic programs, and and we'll see if Oklahoma and Florida State can turn it around. I think they have two really good coaches that'll do it. But you got to highlight these disappointing losses on night one. Next one, TCU. This is probably the most disappointing. Yes, they won the game. So unlike USC, unlike Oklahoma, and unlike Florida State, they ended up with a win, and that should matter. But they almost gave up. Uh, I think they were on pace to give up 90 points at halftime to Arkansas Pine Bluff. Baffling for a TCU team that was getting a ton of hype in the offseason, including from me. I wrote a blog, bored as hell, sometime in like May or June, about Texas barbecue. And I said, I, I wrote that blog because. Houston, Baylor, Texas, TCU, TAMU. These teams are all really good, and Texas Tech as well. And I said, I think a lot of these teams can get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. TCU, a lot of people said we're going to be a sleeper team to win the Big 12, could be a sleeper team to make the Final Four. I'm going to say it again for the millionth time. No need to overreact. Another great and proven coach in Jamie Dixon. But I think it might be fair to wonder, hey, were they reading their press clippings all offseason and came into this season saying, our shit don't stink. We have a home opener against Arkansas Pine Bluff, who by a lot of metrics are not very good. All right. And again, I think it matters that this was a close game throughout. It's not like they ended up pulling away. It's not like this was close for three quarters. The full 40 was a nail biter. And for the Horned Frogs, with some of the highest expectations I've seen around this program in I don't know how long, 
with Eddie Lampkin, with Mike Miles, who's who's scratching the surface of an All-American. May, may, may be cause for concern. And I actually think this might be a good thing for TCU to get the, the daylight scared out of them a little bit because it might refocus them and it might, it might make them say, hey, look, we haven't earned anything yet. We haven't won anything yet. Even the other teams in the Big 12, especially when you look at a Baylor and a Kansas, national champions, Big 12 champions consistently. Look at other teams in Texas, like Houston and Texas Tech. Two teams that have been to a Final Four. TCU, I think, got a little too big for their britches, maybe read their press clippings a little bit too much, but they'll get it figured out. I'm confident. I'm most confident in TCU getting it figured out. You might say, well, that's a hot take. They're ranked number 14 in the country. They return damn near everyone. They have Lampkin. They have Mike Miles. Well, those are all contributing factors. Uh, but I do think this was a net positive, especially because they got the win. It's tough to spin that when you when you lose. TCU 1-0 on the season. I think they got the, the daylight scared out of them a little bit. They'll be refocused. I can't imagine Jamie Dixon's too thrilled. Next one, Georgetown. Almost losing to Coppin State. So again, hug for Georgetown. Win's a win. But the committee's going to look at this stuff, man. I'm not necessarily saying Georgetown is going to be a tournament team because they got a long way to go. They got talent, but they still got a long way to go. And credit Coppin State. We had Kevin Sweeney on earlier in the offseason who did a marvelous job covering them last year for SportsIllustrated.com. And he highlighted the trials and tribulations of a team that is in need of buy games. So again, a team that needs the money, candidly speaking. Coppin State's traveling via bus, via plane. They're playing back-to-backs. This year's really been no different. They were on a second night of a back-to-back in Georgetown, and they pushed the Hoyas to overtime. Severely uh, out, outmanned in terms of talent. But I have nothing but respect for Juan Dixon and his crew. That being said, Georgetown, man, Patrick Ewing. It feels so weird to talk about a legend like this. I feel grimy. I feel dirty doing it because Patrick Ewing is a legend in the game of basketball. Absolutely a legend, certainly in the game of college basketball. Okay. One of the best big men ever. It's just not clicking at Georgetown. Hate to say it. It's not clicking at Georgetown. And it's reminding me a little bit of the years in which Indiana was sputtering. And I'm glad Indiana's back because the sport's better when they're when they're good. The sport is also better when Georgetown is good. And right now, they're not. Georgetown is not a good basketball team. They haven't been for quite some time. Even towards the end of the JT3 era. So they escape in overtime against Coppin State. Again, a team that was on the second night of a back-to-back. But I mean, I, I suppose it's it's insult, adding insult to injury, salt in the wound, that they broke a 21-game losing streak. So Georgetown wins the game, but that might be the fifth headline in the entire story of this game. You got Coppin State and their, their, what they're dealing with. You got Patrick Ewing, whose seat might be hotter than the uh, – the hair straightener that your girlfriend left plugged in in the bathroom. You got them not highlighting the win, but saying 
congrats on the overtime win against Coppin State. It snapped a 21-game losing streak. It's not looking terrific for Georgetown. Okay, so I have confidence in USC for them to compete for that third, fourth spot in the Pac-12 and be a tournament team, maybe a bubble team. I have confidence in Porter Moser based on what he's done at Loyola Chicago. I have confidence in Leonard Williams to have a really good regular season, a competitive regular season for Florida State. I definitely have confidence in Jamie Dixon and TCU. And there's no point in in, uh, overreacting. But what we've seen with Georgetown over the better part of a decade almost, and under Ewing, outside of that miraculous Big East tournament run, which did propel them to the NCAA tournament, it's been bad. And even though they got the win, tough way to start for Georgetown. I'm not necessarily sure it's going to get much better. So those were our disappointments from uh, night one. Long season to go. Don't overreact, folks, uh, unless it's Georgetown. I think I think it's a, it's a wrap for the Hoyas. I'm feeling very negative right now and looking at my rundown because there were some positives, and we'll get to them. The buzzer beaters, they were a lot of fun. But let me just get one more little negative item in there. Cal Berkeley Athletics. This is a school that used to boast the likes of Jalen Brown, Jorge Gutierrez, Jerome Randall, Patrick Christopher. And if we take it beyond the basketball court, Aaron Rodgers, Marshawn Lynch, Deshaun Jackson, Shane Vereen was a blast. You look at their football and basketball programs and it just seems like it's it's just so apathetic. The, the attitude coming out of Berkeley. And as a Pac-12 guy, I want them to be good, but they've just been a doormat for, for so long now. What happened to those Mike Montgomery Cal teams? I just don't know. They've had a revolving door the last couple of coaches in, in basketball. Mark Fox is there. And, and he's had a, a tough rebuild. He got ran out of town at Georgia. I just, I, it's so weird to me that one of the top institutions in the country in a power conference in a beautiful part of the country in California just can't get the dudes. They can't get the talent. I mean, at least you, you, you look at their rival Stanford. They're competitive in Pac-12 tournament games. Jared Haas, say what you want. And, and murmurs are starting about Haas, sure. But have you seen Harrison Ingram? That's talent, man. He's good. Casey Okpala. I don't know if it necessarily equates to wins, but at least they're fun to watch sometimes. Cal, I can't say the same thing. It's just, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. And I'm pretty sure they lost their opener. Cal Berkeley basketball used to be a big deal. Alan Crabb. How did I forget about Alan Crabb, who had a really solid NBA career? They used to be fun to watch. They used to be good. Same with the football team. I just want a major rebrand, a major overhaul for the Bears. Um, Me just thinking out loud here. Because they're a team that's really gone into irrelevance. I don't think anyone cares about Cal anymore. When in reality... They should be a destination. Let's see what we can do over there in Berkeley.
All right, let's turn it to the positives now. I've been too negative here. I want to be happy. The first, uh, the first few games, first few days, I should say, of the season have elapsed. But night one, man, some amazing buzzer beaters. And if you haven't already, go follow NCAA Buzzer Beaters. He is the best account when it comes to college basketball Twitter and getting out very timely buzzer beating uh, video clips. He actually just got retweeted by John Rothstein, and I'm very happy for him. He works his tail off. He's the best. But there were some amazing buzzer beaters on Monday. Let's start with Loyola Chicago over Fairly Dickinson. Leitner vibes. Loyola Leitner, baby. That, you realize the, the, the degree of difficulty? We've analyzed like the Zapruder film, the, the Leitner shot. But I want you to go out with your friends, have them throw you a pass of that distance on the dot over your head, okay? Because this isn't like some chess pass. Do a complete 180, little fadeaway, and drill that shot with time winding down. What a, what, a, what a great shot that was. And Loyola Chicago, they were close to kind of being on this disappointed, disappointing list, but they barely squeaked by Florida, or excuse me, Fairly Dickinson. The reason they're not on the disappointing list is because they gave us great theater and that amazing buzzer beater. BC over Cornell. I wish I, I had the Shark still with me, but they went on a game-winning layup. Anyone ask what Steve Donahue was doing during this game, who he was rooting for? Cornell or BC, but Earl Grant, I think he's year three now. We'll see how BC does, but they escaped Cornell on a layup buzzer beater. Ohio Belmont. Oh man. I, sorry. I couldn't talk about BC Cornell anymore. Ohio Belmont, two buzzer beaters, essentially uh, in the last second or so Belmont, of course, comes out with the win, but man, that, that Ohio shot, which, they thought gave them the win was so pure, absolute butter, buttermilk pancakes. It was beautiful. And it was one of the, I think it was the very first buzzer beater of the season uh, coming from Ohio Belmont. So that was a lot of fun. Coppin state Georgetown. We talked ad nauseum about some of the storylines in this game, but if we go into that particular play, Coppin state's down three, let's actually take it back a step. Georgetown is up five with 25 seconds left and they completely mismanaged that game. They ended up winning, I think by double digits in overtime, but you're up five with 25 seconds left and Coppin state forces overtime. How the hell does that happen? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here and I feel again, so dirty and so bad for critiquing Patrick Ewing because he's such an amazing legend and amazing ambassador of the game. What are we doing? Hoyas Coppin state down three takes the ball. And their first three is a miss. First of all, why are we why are we even allowing them to take that three? Please foul up three, folks. Please foul up three. Everyone imploring people to vote this week, those commercials, and I agree. Voting is incredibly important. Right behind that, right behind voting, is fouling up three. Georgetown doesn't foul up three. Coppin State gets a three off. Hey, but that's all right because they missed. Ah, but what's not all right, Georgetown doesn't get the rebound. Georgetown doesn't box out, doesn't get the long rebound. Coppin State gets the ball, hits the three to tie. 
and they force overtime. Again, credit to Georgetown for winning in overtime. They ran away. I have to think a lot of that was because Coppin State was probably very tired, but just mismanagement right there that led to an amazing uh, buzzer-beating shot. So thank you to Coppin State for providing some theater on on a lazy Tuesday when there wasn't a big slate. Colorado State over Gardner-Webb. Man, I've said that Conference USA is going to be the mid-major with the most theater, which is what the Mountain West was last year. It might be back for a repeat performance, though. The Mountain West has been amazing so far. Colorado State with a game winner over Gardner-Webb. They survive a crazy comeback from Gardner-Webb. And then BYU hits a game winner over Idaho State. The Mountain West is not ready to give up the title of most theater, of best theater. Conference USA is really going to have to show with the buzzer beaters, with the chaotic finishes, because right now, Mountain West might have listened to the podcast and they said, hold on a minute, Sub. We got Colorado State opening the season at home in one of the best venues in America, hitting a game winner, BYU doing the same. And then we discussed this as well, Sam Houston State over Oklahoma. Some crazy, crazy buzzer beaters. So while the Shark and I were a little disappointed that we didn't get two Blue Bloods in Madison Square Garden or a top five matchup, we did get some competitive games. And we've said all along that we love college basketball enough where you could get like a tournament of directional schools and we'd watch and we'd bet on it and we'd get hyped. But there were some awesome games to kick us off. I was going to ask the shark this. I want to get his thoughts next time. But uh, for those that may or may not know, he's apparently been blocked by Titus and Tate. Not necessarily sure what the shark did to earn that block. But maybe next week we'll we'll get his feedback and we'll get to the bottom of this. Because Titus and Tate, they're our brothers in the college basketball podcasting world. Clearly our big brothers. More nationally known. Potentially more entertaining. Certainly with more access, resources. Um, but the Shark, blocked by Titus and Tate. That was a new development earlier today. Another development, Twitter Blue. You guys seen all this? Good God. What a disaster. We got fake accounts that look like Adam Schefter, that look like LeBron James, that look like the Pittsburgh Steelers, saying that Josh McDaniels has been fired from the Raiders. Not true. Saying that LeBron has forced a trade from the Lakers. Not true. But potentially a a beneficial recommendation and seeing that this is, this is actually just screwed up and not funny, but someone pretending to be the official Pittsburgh Steelers, Twitter account saying that Kenny Pickett passed away. How sick in the head do you have to be to do that? Especially knowing what the Pittsburgh Steelers dealt with this past off season regarding a quarterback. It's a slippery slope and it's a bad slope. I know I'm going to get duped. I already know I'm going to get duped. I'm going to have way too many Chardonnays on a Saturday night. My brain's going to be fried from looking at the ESPN app or the score app, trying to tweet as much theater as possible. And I'm going to slip up. 
And I already know that this is going to be annoying and a nuisance because right now the blue check mark isn't enough. You got to read the whole handle. I don't even want that additional added stamp of like what whatever it says. It's like verified, verified. I don't know. Something. There's like two additional things that you got to look for now. And it's just so annoying. Some of these are so lame, right? Especially the picket one. That was really disturbing. But I want to issue a fair warning to everyone. Don't be duped. It's it's not just enough now to put your Twitter avatar as the exact same as like Adam Schefter, or Jay Billis, or, or Joe Lunardi, Fran Fraschilla. You can buy that check mark for eight bucks a month. A lot of people have asked me actually, are you going to buy a check mark for the the theater and college hoops Twitter? I don't know if I want to. I really don't want to do that. Um. Because I also feel like if I tweet something that isn't meant to be troubling or troublesome, my account gets suspended. I'm going to be pissed. Now, I don't know if that has any difference with the check mark or without it. I also don't want to pay eight bucks uh, for that check mark. I don't know if it necessarily gives us that much more validity. We're just a bunch of idiots tweeting theater and making Buzz Williams sweaty shirt jokes. So. I'm probably going to lay off that, but folks be careful, especially in the college basketball world. All right. Cause I can already tell, I can already tell before conference tournaments or a huge game in the regular season or before the NCAA tournament, we're going to get some garbage from a fake Shams or a fake Jeff Borzello or a fake Jeff Goodman, fake Rob Doster, something along the lines of, well, Oscar Shibway might be doubtful and it's going to screw up your entire bracket picking. Nigel Pack may not suit up for the for the Miami Hurricanes. Scratch them out. Nope. It was a BS report, right? Marcus Sasser, academically ineligible. Nope. Just be on the lookout for this garbage. I can't believe we got to deal with it. Because like I said, Twitter's a Twitter's one of my favorite places. It's hilarious when it when it can be. It's also very dark, morbid, and and stupid to for lack of a better word. But I really hope it doesn't go by the wayside and become one of these apps that just disintegrates into itself. Another item I wanted to bring up the motion offense. The motion offense, folks for those that don't know, is when your significant other is away out of town and you got the house to yourself. So I want to hear what your motion offense is. Mine, my personal motion offense, includes uh, maybe like a 30 rack of beer, can of tobacco, maybe a Zin, some chips, and a Red Baron pizza. That's the bare minimum for the motion offense. You talk about down screen, screen away, roll to the hoop, cut. I talk about my motion offense when I have the house to myself as a 30 rack of beer. You know, Grizz Wintergreen, Coffee Zen, Doritos Cool Ranch, maybe the spicy nacho, and a Red Baron pizza. Red Baron pizza is 
probably the anchor of my motion offense. But I want to hear from you guys because I got the house to myself this upcoming weekend. However, I got to pick up my wife from the airport at 4.20 a.m. A lot of you might be wondering why I'm doing that. Well, it's because she's on a cross-country road trip with her mother. So she's being very selfless, and I'm not going with her. There's absolutely no way in hell I would do that. But the least I can do is pick her up at 4.20. So it's almost like that Mario meme. I think it's from Mario, where Waluigi, again, I'm guessing, I think it's Waluigi who says, I've won, but at what cost? I have the house to myself this weekend. I have the Red Baron in my right pocket. I got the I got, I got the Bud Lights down screening. I got the Doritos nachos coming off shoulder to shoulder, hip to hip. Coming around that screen, waiting for the pass from the Zin into the shooter's pocket. I got all that going. And the shot's going to be made. But at what cost? At what cost? Because I got to wake my ass up at 4 a.m. on Sunday morning. So that probably means no alcohol Saturday, which is probably good. Got a huge slate to to talk about. But I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear your motion offense when you have the house to yourself. All right, folks. That's all I got. Tried to do my best, Colin Coward. Tried to put the, the, the team on my back for a little bit. Probably wasn't very good, but I appreciate you listening. And we're going to catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops.